0: Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy.
1: Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You know, there's a silent epidemic that's ravaging America. And no, I'm not talking about coronavirus. What I'm talking about is our near-constant state of anxiety. And according to the World Health Organization, the United States is the most anxious nation on Earth. Now, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, given uh, the uh, material advantages and uh, quality of life advantages we have uh, compared to those people in third-world countries but currently a full forty million americans and that's one in five of us are is uh... diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and a new ap poll uh... reveals that in the second for the second year in a row two of every three americans say they are extremely or somewhat anxious and even our children aren't spared with reported rates of anxiety steadily increasing Uh, both for our year after year, both for our young children and our teenagers. And beyond robbing those of us who are anxious of the joy of peaceful, stress-free living, uh, sustained anxiety can contribute to serious, even fatal consequences. Think about it. Feeling anxious and overwhelmed is our Uh, body's warning sign and when we choose to ignore it that's where the trouble starts anxiety can paralyze our thinking decision making and can lead to alcohol and or drug abuse and in extreme cases it can damage our physical health uh, maybe increasing the risk of a stroke or a heart attack and as uh My first guest today, psychologist and author Paul Knapper uh, presents it. Our accelerated 24-7 lifestyles, always-on technology, and ever-increasing career demands have created a tsunami of overwhelm and anxiety. As he puts it, as individuals, we've lost our agency, the ability to take charge of our lives, Uh, deal with stress, and act as an effective agent for ourselves. And think about it, if you're not an agent uh, for yourself, who are you going to turn that responsibility over to? (laughs) So have you taken time out to decide what you really want out of life and how you're going to get there? And uh, Dr. Knapper and his co-author uh, Dr. Rao, um, Dr. Napper is here today to help us counter anxiety and uh, take control of our lives. In fact, they've co-authored a book, uh, that's Anthony Rao, the other author, on the subject titled The Power of Agency, The Seven Principles to Conquer Obstacles, Make Effective Decisions, and Create a Life on Your Own Terms. And here is uh, Dr. napper's qualifications. He uh, leads a management psychology practice where he helps leaders increase their effectiveness. His client list includes Fortune 500 companies, nonprofits, universities, and startups. And he launched his career as a Wall Street analyst working with J.P. Morgan in New York City. And he held an advanced fellowship during his three-year academic appointment at Harvard Medical School. And uh, his uh, co-author, Dr. Anthony Rao, Ph.D., is a clinical psychologist and uh, cognitive behavioral therapist. And for 20 years, he was a pediatric psychologist at Boston's. Children's Hospital and an instructor at at Harvard Medical School, and he opened his private practice in 1998. And hello, Dr. Knapper. We're indeed honored to have you here with us today, At middle age can be your best age.
0: Well, thanks very much, Roy, for the nice introduction, and it's, it's a pleasure to be here today. I'm really looking forward to talking with you.
1: Well, if we may, I'd like to start our discussion with a definition. What exactly do you mean by agency, and why does it matter?
0: You know, what I like to say, what we like to say is is agency is probably one of the most important things that you've never heard of. Because most people, when they hear the word agency, think advertising agency or government agency. Agency, is, in, in this context, is our capacity as, as, as human beings to make sense of our environments, to act on those environments after making good decisions. So it is our capacity, essentially, to move forward in our lives and to uh, make you know, use all of our faculties, our mental faculties, our emotional faculties to make decisions to, you know, to, to make judgments, and then act on those decisions um, and so when we talk about epidemic levels of anxiety, uh, one of the things that's interrupted as you as you so well said in your introduction is our capacity to to think for ourselves, our, our capacity to uh, reflect and and make uh, judgment calls um, that allow us to move forward in our lives.
1: And then we sit around and complain that uh, somebody else is making us do something or is making our lives miserable when we haven't really made the decision ourselves on what we're going to do. We've just followed the herd. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a it's a really important point. And um, you know, one of the things that you know has been observations have. It's been made by many folks is we are social creatures as human beings, right? We, we look to the right. We look to the left. We, we, we notice what other people are thinking and what they're doing. And we take our cues from that. And a lot of times we end up doing the same thing and for better or for worse. And sometimes it's really for the worst. Because today what we see with epidemic levels of overwhelm and anxiety is, you know, people are not really uh, – people are caught up in, in living in an, in a way that isn't all that healthy. And so if you're looking to the right and looking to the left and doing what everybody else is doing – you may just end up you know following those people down a very unhealthy path because the the, the average American these days sadly is not very healthy uh, both physically and emotionally, and now we 're starting to see the mental repercussions of that too in in terms of decision making so we wrote this book to really try to get underneath that and allow people to to take control of of themselves and of their lives um, rather than just delivering themselves into, you know, the medical establishment and and, and taking a medication to try to cal- calm them down, although sometimes that is warranted, you know, but really give people the tools to, to get beyond just managing the symptoms, the surface and symptoms, the and get to only, the cause.
1: The medication only manages the symptoms. It doesn't address the basic basic causes
0: of That's ex- that's exactly right. And sometimes when symptoms are out of control, uh medication is very helpful because yeah. you, you you know you need people do need something when things get to to that point. But you're right, it doesn't really treat the underlying um, issue, which is why, why are we experiencing such epidemic levels of anxiety? Why are we spreading it from person to person? Um, you know, which is another thing that many people aren't aware of. Um, you know, anxiety is contagious. It spreads from person to person. Um, and, you know, so stopping that spread is is, a, is something we write about in the book. How, how to stop it, how, how not to jump onto the band. um, So to speak. Um, But it it is, um, you know, the problem with medications is, you know, and again, they can be a godsend at certain times um, to to, when when people really are uh, suffering. But what can happen with medications is, as is, is we've said, they don't address the underlying issue. But more importantly, too, medications usually over time, most of them, uh, you know, have what's called the poop-out effects. So they they literally don't work. They stop working as effectively over time. And so then you're in a quandary because, right, because then you, 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 you can find another medication potentially that t- will take its place. But we wanted, to, we wanted to write a book to try to help people um, with the whole idea of, of thinking and, and, and behaving in ways that are healthier to prevent the, the, the spread of, of, of anxiety. And well, in your
1: book, you inform that agency is being eroded and is declining in the U.S. Why is it that this is happening and what are the consequences and how serious is the threat? Of uh, further decline.
0: Well, it's a really great question, a big question, um, and, and but uh, an important one. And you know, what for, as near as we can tell from trying to synthesize the the, the the data, what's happened is, you know, we're living in in a very different world today uh, than the, than we lived in 30 years ago, or. Th- 50 years ago. Uh, It's changed dramatically. Um, There are many, many more, you know, kind of disruptive
1: uh,
0: events occurring around us that just you know, change things dramatically. So our work lives have changed
1: how we're socializing. Right. Now that can, our boss can contact us any time of the day or night on our smartphones, <laughs> whereas right. we used the, to be able to get away from the office for a while.
0: <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, and so, you know, one of the things we talk about in our book is, is, is essential to modern living is setting healthy boundaries yeah. around what you do when you're available. Um, because one of the things we've found that's been eroded, um, that's so essential to human agency is 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 time to reflect just simple time where we're not occupied with some activity or something that's demanding our attention, but time just literally to reflect yeah. on ourselves, on where we find ourselves, on what we're experiencing in the world around us. Um, and so, you know, this capacity to reflect is essential to our health and our well-being and our our, 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 our level of agency yeah. um, in our lives. And a lot of people don't realize that. And what's happened, it's just over the years, that that amount of the, the amount of time we we spend on just simply reflecting on where we find ourselves has been eroded it's gone away uh, people haven't noticed it they haven't noticed that it's been been chipped away with you know by act, other activities other sources of stimulation um, so we are now a very over overstim- Stimulated (laughs)
1: society—we
0: have stimuli coming at us from all directions,
1: and seven news cycles, all of it—it's
0: a lot. And that's where it it comes back to setting healthy boundaries, right? I mean, setting some limits on some of these things um, because we can't function um, as we were designed to function as human beings.
1: Let's talk about leadership. Does having a higher agency make you a better leader, and why? And what do you observe in your work with business leaders? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Another great question. Um, and, and the answer of course is yes. Um, the best leaders have high levels of personal agency. Um, they are able to think clearly <clears throat> they're able to make good decisions. They are able to understand, um, the process by which they make decisions, um, and que- and question that process. So, you know, they are able to, um, um, you know, e- Exercise agency in, in a way that other people that, that can be kind of a role model for other people. Um, so I work with leaders in, in, in improving their level of, of agency, um, and, and again, agency relates very closely to decision making, our yeah. capacity to make choices.
1: Yeah, and it's it's not just decision making based on what we ourselves have predestined in our minds is the right answer we do the research and we listen to others uh so that uh you know we're really deliberating wisely and not just on uh, you know, our personal prejudices
0: that's exactly right i th- and the best leaders are are able to to check their biases because we all have them as people we all we all have various biases that we operate with or you know another word for it is our blind spots I and mean, we all have yeah. blind spots yeah, it's inevitable true. but we can work with other people to help us with those blind spots
1: Well, let's get down to where the rubber meets the road, uh, how to improve our own agency. The subtitle of your book is The Seven Principles to Conquer Obstacles, Make Effective Decisions, and Create a Life on Our Own Terms. And will you please identify for our listeners what the seven principles are, along with a brief explanation of what each principle means. I know that's covered in detail in your book and, and yeah, absolutely.
0: I'll try to be brief yeah. and just yeah. just, you know, but there's there, there's seven there's seven things that we've have distilled down that really are most helpful to focus on in building higher levels of agency in your life. The first one is called control stimuli. Yeah. And this is simply uh monitoring and managing the amount of information, the amount of stimuli that you allow to enter into your brain.
1: <laughs> Get rid of those distractions. Set set healthy
0: boundaries around uh, your consumption of of digital information, particularly social media, um, and and keep your mind free and clear of – you know, erroneous and um, destructive information that's... watch
1: out for those tweets.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: those emotional tweets, yeah, that get you all hot and bothered. Um, the, the second principle we call associate selectively. Associate selectively is, is simply about, you know, paying attention to the company you keep. Are you around people who are supportive, who encourage you to be at your best, who also... Check your worst impulses, and can confront you when when you do or say something something stupid. Yeah. Um, so the people you surround yourself with largely determine. The quality of your life yeah, that's
1: for sure.
0: the third principle we call move now this is a little bit of a misnomer because it's not just about physical movement but but movement is is very important um, so it move is about paying attention to your physical body it's monitoring how you eat how, how much you're sleeping um, how much you're resting how much you're exercising and moving I- about in your life and we're, de- we're designed to move we also need to eat healthy food and we also need to sleep and you know the average american is actually sleep deprived um, which is which is really problematic because it it introduces the possibility for long term health problems and also affects decision making
1: yeah it's pretty um, tough to make a good decision consistently if you're in a 80 pound overweight body.
0: <laughs> well, and if you're sleep deprived yeah. <clears throat> also, which so many of us, you know, increasingly are.
1: Yeah. Um
0: the fourth principle we call position yourself as a learner. Like and positioning yourself as a learner simply means you know, actively position yourself to learn um so to keep yourself open to to new information, to new ideas um and, you know, taking those ideas in and whether it's through reading, whether it's through talking with other people, whether it's just through observing in your own from your life experience, trying to keep an open mind and 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 seeking to learn each and every day.
1: Yeah, you know, we could use a lot more of that learning in the uh, politics of America today.
0: Absolutely, it's a, it's very important for us to learn from other people, and yeah. and part of that is not judging. We you know, we judge very yeah. qui- we tend to judge very quickly, when in fact keeping an open mind and listening, you know, more intently to what other people are saying and try to understand what it is they're talking about um, can be enormously helpful. The fifth principle we call manage your emotions and your beliefs. This is probably the most challenging for 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 everyone. Um, we are primarily emotional creatures as human beings. Managing our emotions can be very challenging for us and and managing our beliefs sometimes is equally challenging
1: including fear
0: of course yeah we we when, when fear enters into the picture, it really can derail us it can kind of derail our decision making skills um we also talk about updating beliefs, you know, and we contrast uh, values, our, our own personal values with our personal belief. A lot of times people see those as the same when they're not Exactly the same, yeah. you know typically our values are things that are enduring, um, that don't change much <clears throat> over time and and typically we we have a set of core values that that's small that may be five or six or eight things. Yeah. We have beliefs on a number of topics, and those beliefs are meant to be updated as yeah. we learn more. Um, as we get more information, yeah, um, the world
1: is changing so rapidly. We better be open to learning new. That's today.
0: exactly right. No, great point. Great point. And when we do, when our beliefs are more in, a, in accordance with reality, our lives actually work better. So yeah, it's imp- sure. important. So the, the seventh principle. Uh, sorry, the sixth principle is called check your intuition. Now this is this is a, an interesting one. Yeah. We basically talk about intuition being one of the more important of our human qualities in that
1: what I say for you ladies out there <laughs> we, and, and
0: women and tend me. women tend to be more uh, uh their intuitive skills tend to be a bit better developed really? but we we talk about this in the book um most of our decisions actually get made through our intuition, through the use of our intuition, whether we know it or not. Yeah. And, and so we, we, we believe this is a very important part of what it is to be a, a human being and, and because of the, of the way intuition affects us. So we talk about how, how to develop your intuitive skills more fully, how to use your intuition, when to use it, when not to use it. Yeah. Um, you can't use it all the time. Um, But, you know, um, there's a lot of good examples in there about how intuition is used, how it's been successfully used by leaders and and various people. Um, And so intuition, we call it check your intuition because it has a dual meaning. It's basically check in with your intuition, but at the same time. Keep your intuition in check, meaning use it wisely, use it in the yeah, right circumstances.
1: Sure in accordance with reality.
0: <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Well, and a lot of times this leads to the final principle, which we call deliberate, then
1: act. Yeah. Deliberate,
0: then act is, is about, then you know, taking... Then act
1: take... is such a failure in so many people. They deliberate constantly, but they can't seem to, because of fear or whatever, they don't actually take the action. So you take all the steps necessary, and then you got to follow through and act. Or, really, the whole thing is kind of worthless.
0: Well, it's very important at, at point, and and the anxiety play, the 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 current you know level of anxiety in our culture plays into this because when we're anxious, we generally don't have a high level of confidence. And when we're underconfident, we we're, we're often hesitant to take action. So in this final um, principle of the book, we talk about how to use your logical reasoning to, to to logically reason through situations, how to also combine that with with your intuition to improve the quality of your decision making. And and but you raise an incredibly important point, Roy, you know, at the end of the day you do need to act on those decisions. And to do that, you need a a healthy level, an appropriate level of confidence. And that's what we find being eroded so much uh, right now in the culture is that people are feeling really underconfident. They, they, um, they need encouragement um, to to uh, use their human faculties to make to, to learn how to make better quality decisions, and then you know move forward with confidence and 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 take action on those decisions. Well, yeah. and that's what good leaders do. I mean, lead, yeah. that, leaders are basically about you know making decisions and then taking action on those decisions, and and encouraging others and motivating and inspiring other people to to do the same thing. Yeah. So so uh, but. Those those are the seven principles, and they're they're simple, they're simple, you know. And yes. some of them seem like common sense, but yet when you really dive into them, it, it takes some time to really think about how to best use those things
1: well, in, in your day to day life. Capacity to develop a higher level of agency, or is that just reserved for a fortunate few? <laughs>
0: no, good, really nice question. Absolutely, everyone <clears throat> can develop a healthier. Level of 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 agency in their lives um, You know these seven principles focusing on them and we have a small inventory in the book that allows you to assess You know where you are on each of these seven things <clears throat> So people can actually you know take those the, the short test see where they're strongest where they're weakest <clears throat> and then focus on those things um, That 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 they feel they need to you know, improve so for many people um, that 's you know two or three of the principles where they really are weakest, and yes. um, you know so we, we suggest people use read the book in that way yes. and focus on those few, on those things first um, but anybody can improve their level of, of agency um, These are all human qualities that we we all possess, so you don 't have to you know, it's, and these things are interestingly they 're not related even to education necessarily you know education can be helpful you, you, know, you can get some more Information, you know, through education, and it can teach you um, certain things about how to um, to 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 reason uh, through problems and that type of thing. But it, someone can have a high level of agency without a lot of formal education, totally. and you know, you see it all. You see it all the time. You know, you see people who are just have a remarkable degree of self-possession, yeah. um, and they may not have a college degree. They uh, they may not even have a fancy job, but there's something about them.
1: They may not have a formal leadership role, but they are leaders. <laughs>
0: they they are. They're leaders in their own lives. And And again, the goal of agency is for you to live the life that you most want to live, that's yeah. in accordance with your interests and your values. So that's a successful well-lived life, is when someone lives the life that they want that is that yeah. matters to them that is most interesting and most rewarding to them and it's not comparing that, yourself be
1: interesting and rewarding to others too it it, it,
0: exactly it, it's it's not it's, it's not living the life that is you know um similar to uh, you know your next door neighbor necessarily um it's it's the life that's most meaningful to you and i think that's where the capacity to reflect <clears throat> to engage on you know we, 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 who am I? What do I really want? What do I really value in my life? And how can I go about living my life in accordance with with that yeah,
1: so that I, I live
0: a meaningful life on my terms?
1: If things that you do is, are destined to lead you to the ultimate vision of where you want to go, life has so much more meaning and, and bad things will happen in and around us, but we're the only ones that get to choose how we react to it. <laughs> I mean,
0: and that's agency i mean that is that is a that is a function of agency the fact that we we always do have a choice sometimes we have more choice available to us and sometimes the choices may seem better than at other times but we always have a choice where uh, should
1: our listeners go to preview and purchase your book the power of agency
0: Yeah, the book is available pretty much everywhere books are sold. Um, Amazon, of course, has it, Um, Barnes & Noble, um, um, you know, pretty much anywhere it's on the Internet. And please visit our website at powerofagency.com. You can learn a lot more.
1: It's like B-O-W-E-R-O-F-A-G-E-N-C-Y without any... uh,
0: Exactly, powerofagency.com. Yeah. And there's more information about what agency is and how it can help you. Also, have um, a small uh, little subtest of of the seven principles that you can take as a Holy. sample. Um, and there's also podcasts they can listen to and various uh, things they can read on the website as well.
1: That's great. Well, in conclusion, so be honest with yourself now. With all, without, uh, with all the distractions in the world today, and in your job and your family responsibilities, are you losing your agency? Well, if so, here's the good news. An editorial review on Amazon by Jerome Groupman, M.D., a Harvard professor, proclaims. Uh, drawing on decades of professional experience and cutting-edge research, Doctors Knapper and Rao offer keen insight into making decisions uh, to enhance your life, and whether uh, in parenting, business, physical, or mental health, uh, they reveal how agency is your key to successful outcomes. And this is a book complete with the kind of useful information we seek for ourselves and for those we love. So how is your agency? And if you'd like to increase your ability to raise yours and take charge of your life, I highly recommend you preview and purchase Drs. Knapper and Rao's book, The Power of Agency. And thank you so much, Dr. Knapper, and best of success on your book.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Roy. I really enjoyed meeting you and and having this conversation. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Well, I'm certain you'll agree. That was an excellent presentation by Dr. Paul Knapper, co-author with Dr. Anthony Rao of the acclaimed book, The Power of Agency. And if you do not feel like you're in charge directing your own destinies, the life you desire, this may be just the book for you. But here's the next question. In your 40s or 50s, once you feel like you're the primary agent of your future, what's the next step? To close today's program, I've got an option for you to consider. Why not go back to school? (laughs) Before you judge me crazy, please listen for a few moments for three good reasons for considering going back to school in your 40s, heck, even in your 50s. These ideas are summarized from a Sunday, February 23, 2020 article by Eric Tittner in the Job Network section of our local newspaper, the Des Moines Register. So are you presently in your 40s, even in your 50s, and are thinking about making a career change, perhaps even a lifestyle or life change? Well, according to the article, here are three good reasons why more education may be a wise choice for you. Number one, the chance for new opportunities. This one's fairly obvious. If today's rapidly shifting and uncertain economy and work environment, in that environment, long-term stability and info and skills you learned 20 or 30 years ago may longer be considered current and relevant. Stability these days is more often the stuff of dreams, not of reality, unfortunately. By choice or out of necessity, you may face the requirement of a new job search at middle age. No fun if your skills are seen by potential employers as outdated and however strong your professional network, uh, age can sometimes be seen as a limiting factor to new employment especially if you're seeking a position at the upper rungs of the career ladder, not a startup position at the very bottom. And a good way to open doors to new opportunities is to continue your education, either in your current field or in a new one that you'd like to transition into. Having a fresh and current set of learning credentials can really bolster a resume filled with older dates, accomplishments, and skill sets and help you stand out from the job-hunting crowd. You will show hiring managers, human resources personnel, and potential recruiters that you are willing to do whatever it takes to enhance your value to your employer and to keep up to date. And oh, by the way, you stand to learn a thing or two, not to mention bolster your self-confidence by this additional schooling. Clearly, clearly that's a win-win proposition. And here's reason number two, you'll stay viable and current. The truth of the matter is, and you and I know it, The world is moving faster than it ever has with technology, online culture, uh, and just the way things are, making it harder than ever to keep up. And after 50, even in your late 40s, the struggle to stay up to date is all too real. Uh, uh, Face it, it can be a real battle just to keep from fading into irrelevancy and obsolescence, especially when you feel like younger generations are not only catching up but starting to pass you by and i always feel that way when i talk to my son about the computer (laughs) going back to school and learning a new thing or two can help stem the tide and can keep you on the cutting edge and that can be a great confidence and morale booster it also can help you earn the respect of the younger generation and here's the third reason knowledge has its is its own reward. <laughs> I know that sounds simple minded, but it's so very true. As we grow older and our parental responsibilities and career development ob- obligations fade, we often become more able to see the things that really matter in our lives. Ain't that the truth? And it's been said, and at middle age and beyond, I'm certain a lot of us would agree that learning is a lifelong pursuit. I hope you feel that way. As you and I accumulate new knowledge, it increases our ability to appreciate the world, humankind, and our place in it, and what we can do to contribute to the overall welfare. Our minds continue to grow and mature, and we learn more about the needs of others and the needs of society. I think we can agree with the article's author, Eric Titner, that perhaps the best reason for going back to school is simply for the pure joy of expanding our comprehension and our personal horizons. And the self-confidence and pride that comes along with accumulating new information and new knowledge and skills on their own even if it's not tied directly to obvious and immediate career success, they're valuable gifts on their own. And before I go, here's the good news. I'm sure most of you know about this. Consider all the more affordable and the new options for flexibility in going back to school and know you won't need to back up your family and move back on campus. There are so many great options for online learning, including the same, some of the same professors that you would uh, interact with on campus. There's also an ever-expanding growth of opportunities for evening and weekend learning. And also consider, in your late 40s and 50s, your offspring are leaving home to begin their own college to begin their own college education, start their families, or launch their own career. And what a great option for you as an empty nester to launch your own education, as you can afford and uh, fill up your time. And it'll be great to be studying along with your absent uh, offspring. So are you nearing or already past the halfway point in life? Well, I suggest you may uh, wish to contemplate a return to the classroom, virtual or otherwise, to help project you into the second half of your dreams. And remember this, you are doing so for yourself, and you do not need to bring a report card home to your parents for their review and uh, of studying in a field that really turns you on if you're doing that and you decide what you really want to do with the rest of your life and you want the education supported, I guarantee you won't fail because you'll be loving what you're learning. And please don't forget to preview my book all about recharging at middle age. That's A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards You'll find it on Amazon.com, Barnes and or through our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com. And that's our program for today. Talk to you again next week. Bye for now, and enjoy the spring.
0: You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his middle age renewal training system by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.